0: Thank you, David. Thank you, David. The story that David was sharing with us comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. And it starts with verse 36 and goes to the end of the chapter, verse 50. Now, this takes place, says that one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him so he went to the Pharisees home and reclined at the table so the way they did it back then was um, they would have a low table we would call it uh, a little shorter than a coffee table and that's where the food would be and all the guests would lay on cushions on the ground um, propped up on one elbow so they could reach the food, their feet extending, extending out that way and they would be kind of all around the, the table and they would uh, be dipping in the, getting the food that they needed to eat. And so that's what's going on. So they're reclining at the table, laying down, feet sticking out this way, everybody like spokes in a wheel around the food. So that's where they were in the Pharisee's house. He's a rich man. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. It's on Jesus' feet. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And a denarii is about um, a day's wage. So 500 days wages or 50 days' wages. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? He's asking Simon. Simon replies, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled, which is what David was explaining to us a while ago. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who can forgive sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So this is an event that took place in the life of Jesus. He's still up in the north, up in the area of Galilee, and John the Baptist has been put in prison and they have sent as he's in there he's thinking about what's going on and he sends some of his disciples some of a messenger to Jesus and say are you the one that we're looking for or should we still look for someone else and you know the story Uh, Jesus said well you guys um, look around and see what's going on Uh, the poor are being taught Um, the lame walk the blind see the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Go back and, and tell John what you see. And so Luke adds this comment, it says the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purposes for themselves, because they had not been baptized by John. So we're going to see this rejection by the Pharisees and the leaders of the day. We're going to see that lived out in this story with this woman that we just read. And then Jesus says to them, what can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace. We played the flute, you did not dance. We sang a dirge, you did not cry. So you're not doing what we want you to do. he said, John, he came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man, Jesus, came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And this is what we're going to see. Jesus is going to be criticized because he's hanging with the wrong people. Uh, because it's the, the people that uh, not quite socially acceptable. And in their culture, not religiously acceptable either. And so this Pharisee, this rich man, uh, and back then there was a great division economically. The rich had nothing to do with the poor. Nothing at all. And so there was this great social stigma attached to poverty and you just didn't associate with people like that. So one of the Pharisees invites Jesus to have dinner with him. And Jesus goes to this man's house. And uh, we're going to see later on that this man actually is very rude to him. He snubs him socially even as he's invited him home for dinner. So here they are. They're all in there. And these things, because this was a rich man and because he had guests and they're throwing a feast, this was like people could come and watch. Uh, now, only the, in, only the ones who are invited get to participate, you understand. But the poor can come and watch and see what's going on. Uh, so they'll stand outside and, and they'll watch and see what's going on. And so a crowd usually gathers to see how the, uh, the rich and the famous live, you know, that kind of thing. They don't get to share anything uh, because they're excluded. Not in our economic uh, standards here you know and socially and so while they're doing that this woman does a very brave thing a very public thing she comes in uninvited and in that house she would not be welcome and under different circumstances she would have been asked to leave and if she didn't she would have been helped out to leave (laughs) so here she comes and she's a, everybody knows who she is. Small town. Everybody knows. This is a sinful woman. Uh, now we don't know what she did, but everybody knew about it, whatever it was. And so um, normally that kind of language implies she was morally um, not a, a, a good woman in that sense. So everybody knows her. Here she is. She comes uninvited and she stands over here, not at the not trying to get any food, she's standing back here at the feet of Jesus, just quietly standing there. And she begins to weep. And the tears running down her face begin to fall. And they fall on the feet of Jesus. And she's crying a lot. And the tears keep falling, and Jesus' feet are becoming wet with the tears that she is crying. And so she gets down, she kneels down at the feet of Jesus. And uh, the women back there, back then... Um, most often they wore their hair very long. It was their pride and their covering. And so she gets down, she's on her knees, and she's taking her hair and wiping his dirty, dusty feet with her hair. And then she begins to kiss his feet. And uh, many of the women back then, they would wear um, a necklace with a a vial of um, perfume. And when they wanted to use it, These are, they're alabaster, and they have a long, narrow neck, and you you break the the vial, and then you use the perfume. Well, she, and it's very expensive. And she took that perfume uh, from her neck, broke it, and poured that on the feet of Jesus, on his feet. So all of this is going on, and everybody's just kind of, she's doing this very quietly. But Simon, the Pharisee, he's taking all of this in. Now the thing is that this woman had understood that even she had been forgiven. This was a courageous public act of love, an expression of gratitude and worship. Jesus understood that and he received it as such. What about Simon the Pharisee? What did he see and why was his perception so different from Jesus'? What would you have thought if you'd been there? This is what Simon thought. He's looking at this and he's questioning about Jesus. He's already been rude to him and he's going to see how how rude he was in just a minute. So the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this. He says to himself, he's not saying anything out loud. He's thinking this in his mind, but it's in his heart the prejudice and the judgmental and the condemnation is there in his heart and so he says he saw that what the woman was doing and he judges both her and Jesus as a known sinner if she touches him Jesus becomes ritually unclean because she's touched him this was something Simon never would have done and never would have allowed don't touch me you unclean thing you'll make me unclean too so he's not saying anything so the whole point of this is that this is the very reason that Jesus has come to take away her sin and guilt on himself and to give her his righteousness she understands Simon does not. So Simon says nothing, but his spiritual pride, his arrogance, uh, condemned them both in his heart and in his mind. And he says this: If this man were a prophet, and I think I read that, and I think about um, the temptations that Satan gave Jesus. If you are the Son of God, you know it's throwing a doubt. It's questioning the integrity and the character and the very nature of Jesus Himself. And that's what Simon's doing. If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. So he's automatically condemned the woman, automatically, because of who and what she is. Now he's condemning Jesus. This man, because earlier what people are saying is that um, this man's a prophet. a great man of God. Simon, sitting over here saying, he's a fake. Just like I thought. If he were a real prophet, he'd know what kind of woman was touching him. Jesus, however, because he is a prophet and more, knows his thoughts. He reads his heart. He knows what's going on. And so he publicly answers Simon's silent condemnation. And Jesus even invites Simon to participate in the conversation. And he tells a simple story and asks Simon for his opinion. And Simon would have loved that, you know, because the man is asking my opinion. He knows uh, who has the answers, you know. There was a, <laughs> there was a uh, song in, in Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, the musical Tevye is he's singing this song and he's thinking uh, you know if I were a rich man and he comes on and he's, he talks about how he'd like to be in the synagogue and read the scriptures all the time and all the people would come and ask him questions and he says and whether I answered it wh- whether it was wrong or right wouldn't make any difference because when you're rich they think you really know <laughs> that's Simon that's Simon right here and so Jesus says, I have uh, something to tell you. And uh, Simon says, okay, tell me. And Jesus tells him this very simple story, which David explained to us a while ago. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him a lot of money, and one not so much, but it was still a significant amount. Neither could pay it back. And this man, in his graciousness and in his kindness, uh, canceled the debt. He just canceled it. Doesn't say that they asked him, he just did that, an act, a free act of grace for both men. And then Jesus asks the question, now which of them would love him more? Simon replies, you know, that, that's an easy question. Well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled, that's what Simon would do. And Jesus says, you've judged correctly, so Simon is affirmed. And he's feeling pretty good about himself. And then Jesus makes the application. And what he's doing is he's using Simon's own answer to challenge Simon's self-importance and his faulty judgment. Simon's looking only at the outward and judging by his self-imposed standards. And that's a group that um, has a sense of warped values. In Matthew 23, later on, Jesus, um, while he's in the temple, is going to be pronouncing woes on this same group of people. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. And so, starting in verse 13, woe you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heavens in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. This man's condemnation of this woman um, would not have changed, even if he knew that Jesus told her she was forgiven. And we're going to see that played out here at the end of the story. He doesn't care. He's made his value judgment. She's a sinful woman. That's it. People don't change. People can't change, according to Simon. He's got her pigeonholed, and she's going to be in that pigeonhole. So he is not entering in to the kingdom, and now he, if he could, would hinder her from entering in. But he can't. Jesus goes on, and he says in verse 23, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. Where's the mercy in Simon's heart for this woman? There's none. It says in verse 25, what he goes on, he says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees you hypocrites you clean the outside of the cup and the dish inside they are full of greed and self indulgence blind Pharisee first clean the inside of the cup and dish and the outside also will be clean he's condemning this woman for her lifestyle and looking over glossing over the deep seated prejudices and judgmental attitude within his own heart the self-righteousness, that who is he to judge this woman? Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous But on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That's Simon. Outwardly, he looks like, you know, he's the poster boy for righteousness and Pharisaic discipline in his life. But inside, inside, um, there is a pride and an arrogance, a judgment of other people, a looking down on anybody else who doesn't meet his standards. And his standards are set by what I like and what I don't like. (laughs) What I do and what I don't do. What I think is acceptable and what I don't. And so it's all based on Simon. And so Jesus is is bringing this out. And he's going to make this application to Simon. Uh, The point of all of this is going to be that Simon himself does not realize the greatness or the depth of his own sin. He's quick to point out the faults of others, but he doesn't use the same standard. It's a cheap grace. Therefore, he doesn't value the greatness of the forgiveness being offered. And here's the thing, and it's an important thing. Legalistic people always value their own righteousness too highly and the depth of their own sin too lightly. Always. Legalistic people always value their own righteousness too highly and the depth of their own sin too lightly. It's a mark of a shallow spiritual life and a mistaken understanding of the nature and character of God. In Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addressed that to them because they had gotten to the point where everything was outward, and that's what legalism does. It focuses on the outward, and it neglects the more important issues of the heart, of the spirit, of the relationship with the Lord. So, as we go through um, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes through this and he, he makes a stronger, deeper application. And so in verse 20, he makes the statement, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. That was a shocking statement, radical statement in Jesus' day. How could anybody be more righteous than the Pharisees? Um, They were the experts at it. And if you didn't think so, they would tell you. (laughs) They were the experts at it. And they would want you to understand how righteous they were. And so they would condemn everybody else so that they would look better. And Jesus is saying it's got to go beyond just the outward show. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And Jesus says, I'm talking now about anger and I'm talking about judging within the heart. And so he says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. And Jesus says, I'm talking about lust. I'm talking about desiring something that's not yours or not right. Um, He's talking about divorce. He's saying it's still this issue of commitment. He's talking about oaths. He's talking about looking uh, to the Lord for all of these things. He's talking eye for eye, tooth for tooth. He's addressing the issues of justice and vengeance. And he sums it up that you should love your neighbor as yourself and pray for those who persecute you. He says, you've heard it said, love your enemy and hate your enemy. And Simon would have stood up and said, amen. And I'm good at both. (laughs) And Jesus said, I tell you, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. So back to Simon. These are the underlying issues behind this simple story. And so Jesus says, which of the two men will love him more? Simon says, the one with the greater debt canceled. Jesus says, that's right. And then he makes the application. He turns to the woman that Simon has been condemning in his heart. And he says, Simon, uh, do you see this woman? I came into your house, and these things that he's going to list here are the things that in their culture was common courtesy to a guest in your home. If a guest came to your home, you first thing you would do was offer water for the feet. Um, because the roads were dusty and they wore sandals. And so it's refreshing, it's a hot, dusty, it's a desert climate. And um, it's hot, it's dusty, you cleanse, you, it's refreshing, it's cooling, and it's a, a, an act of courtesy and kindness. They also, especially if you're an honored guest, they give you a, the kiss of peace, um, usually on the cheek or neck. It's a, a, a greeting, a, a showing of respect. And it's a welcome into, into your home. And then normally in those days, they would also provide a, a, a small bit of scented oil that you could put on your head. Uh, no deodorants or things back then in those days. It's a hot desert climate. Uh, you know, it's refreshing. You smell good. You, you feel better. Um, that's what you do for people that come to your home. Simon did none of these for Jesus. So he invited him to his house, which is a very, for Simon, it was a magnanimous thing to do. But he didn't want to get too closely associated with this guy. He was really there, asked him to come so he could check him out, which is what he's doing here. This man's no prophet. He doesn't know who's touching him. Okay, so that's what he's doing. So Jesus turns to Simon and he says, I came into your house. You provided no water for my feet. This woman has wet my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. This woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven for she loved much. He's not saying that because she loved much, her sins were forgiven. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, back to the story, the reason That the guy is grateful is because his debts have been forgiven. The reason that she is loving so much to take this courageous public act to Jesus is because she has understood within her own heart, I have been forgiven and accepted by God. And she doesn't care what anybody else thinks because her gratitude is so great because she knew the depth of the sin from which she had been forgiven. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. She understood that. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. And that, Simon, is you. Because Simon, because he's a righteous man, doesn't need forgiveness. This is one of the reasons that John the Baptist's message was such a radical one in his day, because John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance to Hebrew people, and the Hebrew people were children of Abraham by birth, they didn't need to confess their sins, they were automatically in there, and John the Baptist said, nope, God can take this rock and make him into a son of Adam, son of Abraham, it's what's in your heart, Then Jesus looks at the woman and he makes a public proclamation of what she already knows and has experienced in her heart. He is affirming her publicly as she is worshiping and glorifying him publicly. And she has been publicly castigated by everybody in that room. And Jesus stands up and he says to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. There's a ripple through the rest of the group. What's he doing? Who is this who even forgives sins? And that's the point of this story being where it is. It wants you and me to ask this question of ourselves. Who is this who can forgive us our sins? That's the question we're supposed to be asking ourselves. And are we like this woman or are we like Simon? Jesus says to the woman... Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This morning, our call to worship. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's this woman. That's her. She is peace. She doesn't care what people are thinking or saying about her anymore. She knows that this sin from which she could not free herself has been forgiven and lifted off of her. And in gratitude and praise and worship for the one who took away her sin, she is humbling herself and offering her worship and praise to Jesus. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She knew who to trust. And so Isaiah says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is an everlasting rock. Let's pray. But, oh, Father, each of us can find ourselves in the story. Pray, Father, that you would lead us to the kind of revelation, the kind of understanding that because of who you are, our sins have been forgiven. And you can come into our hearts and take away our sin, our guilt. Our shame, and give us peace and holiness and righteousness. This woman went away with peace in her heart. Pray, Father, that you would allow that peace to fill us with the certainty and the assurance that our sins have been washed away through the blood of Christ, and that our hearts would, and our lives would be filled with the joy and the worship, the praise, the gratitude that doesn't care what people around us think, but looks to you, to offer to you the praise that you deserve because of the greatness of the sin that we've been forgiven. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.